marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. The marriage is not a timeless agreement. It is one day. And each day, it begins in you. I love you. Really? Really, really. What we need to find out is, can we get back to the place where we really enjoy each other, you know? Can, can we get back to the place of, um, you know, being in love? Where else am I feeling? Okay. Good morning. morning. Sure glad to have you here. Was watching um, that video on the marriage conference and then your reaction. And you just don't know whether you should laugh or be embarrassed or like, that shouldn't be happening in here. Yeah, (laughs) we took a great chance with that. Um, (laughs) And I'm not sure either, to be honest with you. I want to welcome all of our campuses, all of our friends, all of our visitors. Sure are glad that you're here today. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Our series is called Summer Blockbuster. Today I'm going to teach about marriage. Uh, It's not a series about marriage. What we did is our summer series, we realized people are in and out, people are on vacation. There's just a lot of stuff that happens during the summertime. Same same for the pastor, same for the staff. I mean, I just got back from my vacation a couple weeks ago. So we came to the summer, what our thought was, um, you, you know, you, re- you can't really regroup. We do like small groups and all that stuff in the fall. You just can't run them through the summertime is what we found. And rather than condemn people and rather than make it difficult, and rather than just move on without our church, I mean, how, how dumb is it to lead, turn around and nobody's following you? You're not leading, you're taking a walk by yourself is what it all comes <laughs> down to. So we just learned, hey, look, let's, let's just work with the natural rhythm of where our people are at and lead uh, well inside of our church. So we tried to design um, a series that we felt like people could come in and out of without feeling like, okay, I didn't hear last week, so I'm not sure what this week is about. So there's sort of like each one stands alone, uh, and yet you wouldn't feel like you missed something if you, if you weren't here. So each one's kind of been about a different subject. Uh, this one today just happens to be about marriage, and it works out because we're advertising um, a, a marriage conference that's coming up. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go there in just uh, a second. I do have one announcement that I'm supposed to make. I did it last night with Pastor Evan, who's our uh, Lakewood campus pastor. Um, it doesn't affect you directly. It doesn't concern you directly, but it's a matter of getting information out to everybody. Evan's been with us uh, in total about 14 years, um, served as a youth pastor here, served uh, as a business administrator at one point, not as gifting necessarily. And then as we planted the Lakewood campus, um, I had reserved him on staff here because I wanted him to pastor one of our campuses. And when Evan took the job, this is what he said to me. He said, I will do this uh, for as long as God tells me to. But he said, John, in my heart, I want to plant my own church someday, and I want you to know that now. And I said, Ev, if you can give me the next four to five years, I'm good with that. And when you decide God's told you this, then just tell me. Let me know ahead of time. Don't just announce to me you're going in two weeks. Give me time to make a transition and to do this the right way for you. So... A couple of months ago, actually back in April, Evan and Emily came to Chris and I and just said, look, we, we don't know for sure, but we feel like God may be saying now is the time. And we're not announcing to you we're doing it. We're asking you what you think about it. And they, I mean, how honoring is that to me to come and say, uh, we're not doing it after the fact and telling you. We're asking you ahead of time and does this work for you right now? 
And I said, Eb, let me pray about it too. I, I mean, this is the first I'm hearing about it. So Chris and I just prayed about it. We felt like the Lord said, bless them, take care of them and help them. So I went back to Evan and Emily and I just said, where do you want to plant your church? And he said, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to move. And I said, I don't think you need to leave our city. I said, this city is plenty big and there's not enough churches here now to reach the people. And Evan, I'm not afraid of another church. Uh, you're, you're, my competition's not you. My competition is the mountains. <laughs> And, and the golf course, the two of them that I passed by this morning, and actually my competition this morning was the British Open. Phil is on a hot streak, and I wanted to be home to watch it. But now, all of those things aside, John Dunn, all those things aside, I, um, another church is not my competition, especially one where I know the guy um, is, is building the kingdom of God. So Evan and Emily are going to make a transition sometime in September. Uh, they'll leave here. They want to launch it uh, in 2017, and none of this is finalized yet as far as the name, where he thinks the Cherry Creek area, the Glendale area, um, Evan grew up there and just feels like, you know, there, there's nothing really planted over there, um, and he wants to go over there and plant, and I want to bless him. This is in my heart, too, so I want you just to hear this. Evan's not done anything. This isn't in a nice way for us to get rid of Evan, because he's done something wrong, um, we believe in Evan and Emily. We believe in what they've done for us. So uh, here's how I want to do it. When we get to September and he leaves, we'll do a big going away thing. I thought what would be fun to do is wait till he gets a little further. Once he knows the name of his church and where it's going to be at, I'll have him come back and I'll actually give him the weekend so he can just talk about what God's doing, where God's going to be doing this in his life. And then let's take up a, a tremendous offering and help them plant this church in the right way. Let's get them off the ground. Let's show how the kingdom of God should work in our city, not afraid of other churches, but we embrace other churches because it's about his kingdom and not our kingdom. Do you believe that? And that's what we can do with it. So I just want you to hear that again. I know some of you are like, I don't even know who you're talking about. I get that. He teaches up here from time to time. He's the real studious one. Now you know, don't you? You know exactly which one, huh? So he, the, he, he's the one that um, is able to converse in, um, in, in, in Hebrew and Greek. So that's, that's Ev, and we, we will miss him. And yet at the same time, I'm so thrilled for him and Emily and what they're doing. And I'm glad we're able to do this together. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll jump in. Transition, um, I'm going to talk about being captivated in your marriage today. Captivated uh, in your marriage. Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, verse 19. I used the second part of the verse, but I'll explain the first part too. Uh, the writer of the Proverbs just simply says, uh, let your wife's body satisfy you. And then the second part of it just simply says it uh, this way right here. May you always be captivated by her love. I love the word captivated right there. It means to be interested. It means to be excited. It means to be uh, undivided in your attention towards something. Now, let me, let me just talk about this real quick. Captivated, and that word can go into many different... Look, when I teach, I want you to be captivated, but not the same way that you are with your husband or your wife. I want you to be interested. I want you to be engaged. But when you leave here, you can be disengaged. What this is saying is never be disengaged. Now, it's a thought. It's a high thought. It's a lofty... It's a great idea. It's an ideal. Is it really possible to always be engaged that much? So I'm going to teach about it a little bit and talk about it, uh, try, to, try to get you to a place where, where maybe you can just um, open your heart for God to do something really cool today. Uh, but let me, let, me, let me go this direction. As I read the scripture, I'm, I'm putting this all together. Two quick thoughts in my mind. The first one, the word captivated here is really talking about passion. You want the word for it is passion. Be, be passionate towards your spouse. Don't just be in it, but be passionate towards that person. 
So I, I, when I was thinking, I think it kind of means the idea of like a fire, let, it, let a fire burn there. So let me just, just two quick thoughts. The tendency of all fire, right now in the western part of the United States, I, I, what are there, 32 fires burning or something like that in like seven or eight states? I mean, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of acres. Here's my thought to you. Regardless of how long they burn, all fire has one tendency. Tell me what it is. What's the tendency of all fire? Eventually, it's going to go out. If it doesn't have the fuel, if it does not have all the ingredients that it needs in order to burn, all fire tends to go out. So look at me. All relationships, all of them, and especially the ones between a husband and a wife, I mean, initially tell me that that fire doesn't burn hot. You don't have to throw a lot on it. What brought you together was that there was a lot of material to burn. You're together and you're having a good time. But the tendency of all fire over the distance is to go out. And if you don't stoke the fire, the fire will go. It is possible for a fire to go out. Do you believe that? So if you don't, just listen. I've done this now over 30 years. I don't know how many weddings I've done, but I know this to be a fact. Two people can stand in front of me and tell me how much they love each other and make vows and promises and commitments for life. And not that long after, they can come back and say to me, I don't feel the way I used to feel. We grew apart. We grew away from each other. I, they're not lying. They're telling the truth in that situation. But that's, there's more to it than just saying we grew apart. What didn't you do to keep it growing together? So I would just say if you want sort of an understanding of what this is about, it's how to keep the fire or how not to lose the fire either place that you're at. But my thought just simply is that all fire has the tendency to go out. The second one, let me just talk about the tendency of all people and I think this is just, it's, it's part of our nature. It's part of the way that it works. It's got a good side. It's got a bad side, double-edged sword. People tend to really be focused when they're trying to win something or accomplish something. But after they do that, they tend to move on to the next thing. Therein lies the problem and why it's hard to keep stoking it over the long term is that we're real focused initially. We're real focused when it matters. We're real focused when it's an emergency. But when it's not, we put our attention onto other things. And it's so easy then to move on and then... What about the person that you move on? Not away from, but on. It just tends to go out. So let me, let me do this. We've tried to, as we planned our services, we wrote our messages first and then tried to pick movie clips, just having fun with it that would help illustrate it. So I'm going to use the notebook. You ever seen the notebook? It's a great movie. I'm not endorsing it. There's some parts in it. I watched it again this last week, and I thought, nah, I couldn't endorse it. Um, but it's good. So um, here's, here's, I'm just going to show you this little clip that I thought was a, was a sweet little part to it. So watch this real quick, and then I'll, I'll talk about three things with marriage you should do. I am no one special, just a common man with common thoughts. I've led a common life. There are no monuments dedicated to me, and my name will soon be forgotten. But in one respect... I've succeeded as gloriously as anyone who ever lived. Looking good, Duke. Feeling good. I've loved another with all my heart and soul. And for me, that has always been enough. The movie itself is focused on this guy's love for his wife. And she's got a, a disease where she just simply forgets who he is. And he stays with her and he works with her and he keeps reading to her to try to get her to remember. And it's just a powerful illustration. You know, when Hollywood does get things right, it gets it right. Yes. And it's a powerful illustration of what love can look like between two people who are committed to each other. And I love that. I love the fact that he stoked that fire and that he kept it going over the long time in his words right there. I've done this one thing really well. I've loved a person entirely for my whole life. 
I love that right there. So let me give you three things that would help to stoke it, help it to keep it from going out. Three things that are not from a book. They're not from somebody else's teaching. They're from my own life. I had coffee with a friend this week from the church. This is what the guy said to me. He said, here's why I go to the church. You stand up and fillet your heart every week in front of us. I thought I was being real. I didn't realize I was taking a knife to my heart and opening up every little part. (laughs) I hope it'll help. I hope maybe it'll encourage. So first one just simply is this. Um, Want to make it the distance? The first one just simply, marriage is a choice. Marriage is just simply a choice. I know that kind of takes the romance out of it. It kind of takes the fire out of it. It kind of takes the, the, you know, ooh, the passion out of it. But the truth is, um, the goal of marriage is not simply to be married for a long time. Right. Follow me on this. I'm not standing up here espousing that regardless of how it is, just hang on. I'm actually saying to you, here would be the goal, be married a long time, but be passionate towards each other over the long time. There would be the goal in what you're trying to achieve. So um, when I first started the church, it's 18 years ago. I-, I was 36 years old, and I'd only been married at that time. Um, I mean, we-, we were in it for about 12 years. And I'm trying to teach people who had been married three times as long as I, and I I felt very inadequate to be able to teach. I thought like, you know, talking to somebody that's twice as old as I am about marriage, who's been married so much longer, go through so much more. I mean, I'm still raising kids. Their kids are married and they have kids. And I felt so unqualified to teach those people. And I I just, I mean, what, you know, I thought I'll stand up and someone's going, okay, what do you got to say, junior? And I, I, you know, what, what do you, so I just did it the opposite way. I thought I'll let you teach us. So I asked everybody that had been married more than 25 years. And in our church at that time, believe it or not, we had demographically, I had an older uh, demographic at that time. And so I had more than 20 couples who had been married more than 25 years. And I just sent it out. Uh, it was just, a, I, I wrote just like a, um, a few questions. And I said, would you just fill this out at your house? Bring it back to me. And I'm going to incorporate it into the message. And so one of the questions I asked is, how did you make it 25 plus years? And I was hoping to hear something like, we went to Hawaii every year because I thought I can incorporate that into our marriage. <laughs> or we dated each other. You know, all the things that are out that are good. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong with those things. Here was the thing that surprised me more than anything else. The one answer, they didn't all say it in the exact same words, but they did say the same thing. Here's what it was. We've been married this long because we chose to be married this long. Regardless of the ups and the downs, regardless of the good and the bad, regardless of when it was um, flush and when it was not, when it was chicken and when it was feathers, either way, we chose to stay married to each other. Now, I stand up to teach this message. This year will be 33 years in my marriage. And I, yes, I'm, listen, I'm excited about that. Chris is too. She's here this, no, she, 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 she's not here right now. She heard the message last night, though, and she applauded when I said so. I, <laughs> I had a kid walk up to me right before the service, and he goes, man, your shirt looks like wallpaper. <laughs> wallpaper. Now, you know, he's about 10. No 10-year kid, no 10-year-old knows what wallpaper is anymore. I, I bet his dad sent it. Go tell the pastor his shirt looks like wallpaper. <laughs> So I've been self-conscious standing up here the whole time. Like, I saw myself, yeah, I'm like, God, it does look like wallpaper. (laughs) This is the last weekend I'm wearing it, so say goodbye to the wallpaper shirt. (laughs) 
33 years. So uh, let me fillet my heart a little bit. Let me be real. And I did ask Chris for permission to do this. Uh, as much as I would love to stand up here and say we did this right for the entire 33 years, uh, let me tell you the truth. There have been a few times, and I'm not proud of them, uh, there have been seasons, not days, seasons, where we didn't feel like being married. There were times, and again, I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying this is the right way. I just said this is human, and I've been there, and I know some of you have too, where the only thing that held us together is we had five children we were holding on to. I was the product of a divorced family, and I didn't want my kids to feel what I felt when I got to be an adult. There were times that being the pastor of this church, I knew my responsibility to you and what it would mean to you if I tripped up like that. And so between us, there was nothing more than the fact that we chose during the difficult times to hold on to each other, but I had responsibilities outside. I would just say this to you. One of the great things that you should do, get as many relationships that are good in your life as you can because they help to keep you moored when you want to drift. And everybody is prone to drifting. Do you believe that? I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much you love God. I don't care how fastidious you are in your study. Everybody goes through ups and downs. That's the human condition. That's the sin nature. And we all stumble. So by the way, so that you understand, if you're sitting here and you're like, I couldn't make it. I have no judgment against you. I have no advice of what you should have done. There by the grace of God, I stand here right now teaching the message that I'm teaching. So there's no judgment here whatsoever. My hope would be that if you did let go and you decide to do it again, do it forever. Do it the right way. Hold on. But if you didn't, please hear from me, man. There's no judgment. Again, longevity isn't the goal. Longevity with passion is the goal. So, Pastor, where are you right now? You and Chris are just holding on to each other because of grandchildren now? No. Here's what I... Seasons come and seasons go. And if you will do the things that I'm suggesting right now, believe it or not, you can restoke a fire between two people. The thing that got you there can get you there. Which would lead me to my second thing. Think about this. See if it doesn't make sense to you. Marriage is not intuitive. Relationships initially are very intuitive. If you're in a relationship with somebody, it's because it's easy and it's intuitive if it's new. You can talk easy. You just get along. You have a lot of common interests. There's just, there's just something there that brings the two of you together. But initially... Initially, it's intuitive, but listen to this. Marriage initially might be intuitive, but if you want to go the distance, I wrote it this way. You can begin by being intuitive, but you're going to thrive by being on purpose in your marriage. You've got to do the things to learn. You've got to become smarter. It's enough to get started by being intuitive, but intuitive won't get you there for the long haul. You've got to become on purpose. You've got to become smart. You've got to learn how relationships work. You've got to learn what... Let's, let, me, let me just real quickly, I'll give you three things that you could do today that would help you with that. The first one, read the five love languages by Gary Smalley. The premise of the book simply is this. Every person on the earth, regardless of where they're from, speaks one of five primary love languages. One of them is gifts. One of them is words of affirmation. One of them is touch. One of them is acts of service. I can't remember the fifth one right now. What did you say? I remembered. I wanted to see if anybody else knew exactly what it was. Quality time. 
Here's the problem. Whatever language you speak, you'll marry a person who doesn't speak it. Mine is gifts. When I want to say I love you, you're my friend, I buy stuff for people. Not to be expensive because here's, it's the thought that counts. Whoever phrased that, they wrote my life. I'm a gift person. So I give gifts, but guess how I want to feel love from someone? All I need is a gift. Give me a pen. Give me a bookmarker. So the fact you thought about me enough to do something like that for me, but I didn't marry a gift giver. I married an acts of service person. Here's what tells her I love her. If I fill and clean out the dishwasher, here's what I want to do. Let me buy you a new dishwasher. (laughs) So early on, I'm buying stuff like crazy and it's not getting through. So I think I need to buy more expensive stuff. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, I love you. And what does she hear? Speaking a foreign language to her. What is she doing for me? Oh my gosh, she takes care of our house. She makes sure everything in my life is just so easy. And so she just runs and serves all the time. All I hear, you're not buying me anything. Why don't you love me? Sounds so stupid, doesn't it? It just sounds like it's oversimplified. Learn your spouse's love language and just do it a few times and watch what happens, man. Watch what happens. If you're really intuitive, if if you're not intuitive, you don't know what your spouse's love language is. And many times people are not intuitive as they think they are. Figure out what it is and begin to do that thing because when you do, you speak the language. Let me give you another thing that you can do. We have a marriage conference coming up. It's the end of August. Eric and Richard DeFore are going to be teaching it. Man, they're international teachers. We're getting them back here again to do this. They are so good at what they do. This time they're doing it on intimacy within a marriage. And men and women will sit here and think, I don't know if I want to do it. Well, all right, let me give you two things. One, become on purpose by learning from people who do it better. They do it really good. They know what they're talking about. They've been there. They've got the t-shirt. They have the scars and they've come back from it. And I'm not trying to sell a conference. I'm trying to invest in your life right now. And if you need one other reason, and I don't mean it flippantly, it's a lot cheaper than a divorce. Met with another guy this week who just went through one. And the guy just opens his heart, flays himself to me, and this is what he said. He said, the anger between the two of us is still so raw, but he said the financial and emotional cost to each other and to our children was far more than I ever thought. And now it's too late to back up. It seems like a relief valve, and in some cases it is, no question. But I'm telling you, Man, learning to be on purpose instead of trying to just thrive on intuitive is so important. Um, let me show you from the Bible why this is true. First Peter, uh, this is just, just, just follow me. So uh, Peter writes these words, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives according to, what's the word? No. All right, just, so just follow me on this. If marriage is so intuitive... Why does he have to give instruction to husbands? Hold on, lady, because I'm coming coming back. I heard the giggles. I heard you. 
Yeah, I should have I just done both of them right off the bat because I said, oh, dear God, I wish the man would leave. All right, watch, watch this. Um, th- this one is just, um, this is to wives, Ephesians. Paul actually writes to husbands and wives, but this is 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So if you know that the word submit here is not be a doormat or a slave. The word submit here is to actually honor this person in a way that you honor nobody else in your life. I mean, it gives a comparison. It's a spiritual principle, actually. Paul's trying to teach people how to relate to the Lord. But because it's a spiritual principle and God is a spirit and we're flesh, so here, here he has to give us something we can get our minds So he uses marriage. The way it should look in marriage is the way it's supposed to be between you and God. It could be a picture of what that relationship looks like. So wives, honor your husbands like you honor the Lord. Husbands, love your wives like Jesus loves you. That's easy. It's, it's just simply saying here, wives, just honor. Why honor your husband? Because men are wired to receive love through respect. And so the woman will just simply say, well, when he acts respectable, I'll respect him. It would be the turnaround of him saying, when you act like a woman, I'll love you. You would hate that. The love that God asks us to love each other with is unconditional love. Aren't you glad God loves you that way? I wrote this in my journal this week. The difference between grace and the law, the way they differ is this. Grace rewards us before the obedience. Whereas the law only rewards us after we obey. Aren't you glad that God's love for you is full of grace where he rewards you before you get it right? And that's the way we should love each other. Because the real path to getting it right is to open an opportunity for a person to become who they are, not to try to beat them down because they're not what you want them to be. You didn't even hear what I said just now. If you did, you'd be shouting me down. I'd be down on my back, like, wow. It was, yeah, it's getting deep, Robert. Uh, Realize this. If marriage is all intuitive, then why do we have to have instruction? Why is the Bible full of instruction if life is intuitive? Maybe I'd just throw this out to you. So people listen to this message today, and they'll think to themselves, okay, I'll do these couple of things, and it'll all get better. This is not a problem to solve. Okay? I, I don't, I'm not like, don't, don't get down now. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage over the long term. So you won't learn one time. You will be learning constantly. So what early on in my marriage she needed, some of those things are the same, but she also, my wife is a different person today than she was, and I married her, and she was 19 years old. 52 is way different than 19. I'm going to come over here and say that. I'd like you guys to act like I said something. 52 is way different than 19. Do you agree with it? I mean, our physical needs are different emotionally, while she still loves for me to try to reach that place where emotionally I connect with her, I have to connect with her over different things now. Our lives have changed. Let's give you the last one here, and I'll I'll wrap this up. Marriage and passion are simply not automatic. I wish they were. And sometimes they are. 
but not always. They're not always synonymous. Just because you're married doesn't mean you will always be passionate. Marriage and passion are not automatic. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to teach you, uh, I'm gonna use a spiritual principle now and then connect it back to the physical thing of marriage. This comes from the book of Revelation. Uh, so here's, there, there are seven churches that the book of Revelation identifies, seven, seven types of churches that will be on the earth before the return of Jesus. And so Jesus writes a letter to each of these churches to talk about the good and the bad that he sees before he returns. So this is a letter firsthand from Jesus to a last day's church, and he just says this, I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other like you did at first. And then he says, make a comparison. Look how far you've fallen from where you started. When it used to be passionate and where you're at right now, look at the distance between those two things. For just a moment, I'm asking you, look at the distance in your marriage from passion to where you are right now. Just consider it. And then, and then look at this. Instead of leaving them there and condemning them, look at this. Here's what I want you to do. Turn back to me, and here's the cure. Do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lamp, your lampstand from its place amongst the church. Here's what he's just simply saying. If this doesn't change, it's not going to end good. And I don't mean that, again, I'm not talking down, but I am talking strong, and I'm trying to say something to you right now. The ability to replace the passion. You were here, now you're here. What do you do to get back to? Most people think I need a new spouse to feel the way I used to feel. The problem is you'll be the same person when you get to the new relationship. Let me hide behind the, oh my good night. Feel bad for me, I've got on a wallpaper shirt today. Remember, remember the disadvantage that I'm at as I preach this message. <laughs> So here's where you were, here's where you are, and here's the cure. Go back and do the things you did in the beginning. So let me just throw it out to you. I bet in the beginning you told your story to each other and you really connected with each other. And what you failed to do now in the past, you're not communicating with each other like you did. I bet you touched each other. <laughs> I was 18, preacher. <laughs> I love to teach, but right now I feel like I would like a shield. Um, <laughs> I bet you spent time with each other. It's just a thought. It's not every schedule runs the same. Not everybody's love language is time, but I bet there was some amount of time where it was either through quality or through quantity, you achieved a connection with the other person. The one thing I know that can happen in a relationship that drifts is the time element is missing. So Jesus taught it this way. You want the principle? Here's the principle. Where your treasure is, there your, say it out, there your, your heart will be. So he doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will go. And that's what most people do. They try to go off there. Wherever my emotions are, that's where my treasure will be. And that's why in the beginning, your wife's your treasure. Your husband is special. But later on, when the emotions aren't what they should be, you're trying to make your heart 
be the front leading candidate and then let your treasure follow. And here's the difference in the kingdom of God. It's a paradox kingdom, an upside down kingdom. It works contrary to this world. Jesus said, what you make your trouble, uh, your treasure, there you will find your heart. And what you do in the beginning is you make that person your treasure and your heart is there. Yes or no? And the only caveat to this, I thought about this, so let me give you the one caveat. If you had an arranged marriage and you never met your spouse before the day you stood up and made your vows, perhaps you could look at me and say, my heart was never there in the first place, so this doesn't apply to me. Okay. So for the possibility that of the thousands of people that will hear this this weekend, maybe there's one arranged marriage that could look at me. But even with that, I would still say, I would still say that that doesn't have to be a get-off point. But for most of us, no one held a gun to our head. And no one has forced us to make our promise to another person. Life got in the way somehow. And does it have to just simply go that way? No, it does not. It does not. It doesn't. It's most important, and I'm done. If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, you can close your notes and write the end. By the way, you don't have to be a believer for this to help you. If you just did the, these are, these are universal principles that'll help any couple. But if you are a believer, there's one other thing I would add that's really important. Grow together spiritually. So my friends, Eric and Rachel Dufour, who will do this conference, go to it together. Go to church together. Pray together. Do things together spiritually to grow together. I, I am... I don't know how to say this strong enough. I don't know how to, I don't know how to impress you enough with this. It's the thing I can tell you that I know that I know that I know that has rewarded me in my marriage and rewarded me in my life is that that was a priority through the years that I said we will grow together. I will not take off in a direction simply because I'm responsible to lead a church. We will do this together with each other. And this morning, right before I walk up here, my oldest granddaughter comes over, kisses me on my neck. I'm sitting right over there. And she says, have fun when you teach us all this morning, Bob. How does money buy that? That's the heritage of the servant of the Lord. And if you, you sit there and you think, oh, that's, I just, I, ah. I, didn't, I didn't think it was, I never thought of it. And now that I have it, I realize what God has done for me. And I can trace it back to this thing that I know where I we served God through the thick and the thin. And I would tell you, if you don't remember anything else, hold on to that, man. Hold on to God. Hold on to him. That, that's the thing. Don't go out of here trying to think, I'll have a better marriage or I'll be a better person. Go out of here thinking, I'm going to love Jesus more than I ever did before. And watch what God will do with that in your life. Watch what God will do with that in your life. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for giving us a few minutes to be able just to, um, to share, to, to be able to be together. Holy Spirit, I would pray right now. Folks, your eyes are closed, but your ears open. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm aware of this in myself, and so I want, want you to hear me pray this. I realize that sometimes when I teach things, I can be too strong. Sometimes I'm not thinking about a situation maybe that somebody's in. Uh, maybe I taught this in a way that instead of being able to hear what God is saying, you just get focused on what 
I did, and I'm just asking right now that the Holy Spirit would hide me behind Jesus and all you could see right now would just be what Jesus wants for you. That you wouldn't trip up on anything else and you wouldn't get sidetracked, but that right now, just what God wants for you would be the preeminent thing that would happen for you. I pray the Holy Spirit could take the truths from Scripture and make them really alive to you. I I pray that Jesus would just fill our hearts and fill our lives with what he has for us and that God's purpose, his good purposes, his dreams for us, those would be the things that would be the reality around us. And maybe you sit here right now and you're like, Pastor, that is the farthest thing from the truth. This is where faith comes into it. By faith, I'm telling you, God has good things for you. God wants good things for you. God dreams a dream. And it's good. And my goodness, I bless you this morning. I pray for you this morning. I pray particularly for couples that are in a place where this message is more painful than it is encouraging. I pray that instead of it being a wedge and a division, that the Lord could use it to be a shelter to bring the two of you together and help you. I pray that where the enemy has come in and just for so long planted tares and maybe you've believed lies and maybe there's even been reinforcements that make it seem so true. May the Lord be able today to pull you above that, out of a pit and set your feet on a rock. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. It's what Solomon said. The end of the matter, how it turns out, is better than how it began. May that be true for all of us in our relationships and in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.